Thank you very much, Thomas, uh, for the invitation. It's uh, an honor to be here. And um, I would like to share um, a project that has just started. Uh, so it's, it's not like presenting uh, definite results, but like more sharing uh, hypotheses, uh, which are at the crossroads of uh, biological anthropology, uh, social anthropology, and also museum studies, uh, which is um, uh, the project to use uh, human remains in uh, anthropology museum uh, to study the microbiome in pre-colonial time. Uh, so this is a very problematic project, and the, 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 that's the title that we gave to the project, but uh, of course we can discuss uh, the terms. Um, just to give you an idea of the history of the project, so I was uh, working at the Musée du Cap Henri uh, um, four years ago when I was contacted by a um, microbiologist uh, who worked on the microbiome, so the microbiome is... Um, this uh, amount of um, uh, genetic uh, information that uh, is inside the human body uh, and that uh, covers a wide diversity of microbes that co-evolve with humans and uh, in many ways uh, uh, allow humans to adapt to changes in the environment. And, um, and there's now, for the last 20 years, because of um, changes in techniques of um, uh, sequencing, there's now a, a wide amount of knowledge on the variety of um, the microbiome in diverse populations, diverse uh, period of uh, the year, of the day, uh, depending on what you eat, what you drink, how you uh, work, how you sleep. But we have uh, little knowledge about uh, uh, the changes of the microbiome over time. And so this microbiologist uh, got uh, um, a, a grant from the... Uh, Canadian Institute for Advanced Research to have um, social anthropologists, biological anthropologists and microbiologists work together on uh, the, the meaning of the microbiome for human evolution. Uh, and So that's the broad uh, hypothesis. And, and so in the first uh, uh, term they wanted to turn to um, uh, pre-contact uh, uh, human populations, but as you know it's very difficult to find this kind of populations, maybe they don't exist anymore, and if they exist, the, 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 the consent form to have access to the, these populations would be very difficult to establish. So they turn to museums where there's a, a, a huge amount of uh, human remains, uh, which, which can be considered as biological material for uh, research. And uh, uh, since I was uh, working at the research department of the Musée du Cameroni, they involved me uh, to give them access to uh, some of this biological uh, material and to all the human remains in the anthropology in the museums of Paris, anthropology, medical history, and so on. Now, uh, the Cabernet, as some of you know, uh, are, uh, is, uh, has been separated from the Museum of Mankind, and the Museum of Mankind has kept the human remains, but still we have some human remains at the Cape Only that are considered as cultural artifacts because they are tattooed or uh, they are uh, ornamented. Um, so so we, we have a reflection on how to display and conserve human remains, and I will come back to that uh, later in the talk. Uh, but my role was more to give access, uh, to give biological biologists access to uh, these collections. And so I will talk about um, the, the uh, precisely this problem of access, the results we expect, and how it makes sense for me as an anthropologist who has thought about microbes. So I was working previously, as you mentioned, on emerging infectious diseases, so in some way the, the bad bugs 
the, the, the microbes emerging uh, from uh, animal reservoirs uh, uh, with um, unpredictable effects on uh, human bodies, uh, such as uh, uh, bird flu. And so I turned my research to the good bugs, uh, which are these uh, uh, microbes that uh, co-evolve with us and that tend to disappear. So that's something that Jamie Lorimer here has uh, uh, studied, which is this idea of rewilding the microbiome or uh, uh, reconstituting the, 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 the diversity and the, the bounty of the microbiome that has been lost by all the changes like antibiotics, um, changes of food, etc. Um, so, so that's that's the general uh, uh, framework of the of the project. So it involves um, a Canadian and French uh, microbiologists um, and uh, social anthropologists from the U.S. myself, and also uh, it's very important that an archaeologist from Senegal is involved. And I will talk about the, the way we work with him, and um, we will continue to work with him in the. In the in, so it's a project that is in the middle, uh, it will last about 10 years, so we, we, we've had four years of really building the project uh, and we still have four years uh, to uh, uh, find results. So that, that's the, the question that, that, that we raised, the, the, the uh, changes of the microbiome in response to the processes associated with uh, colonial rule, which are uh, so, um, the use of pesticides and machines uh, for agriculture. Um, the changes in agricultural production since uh, Senegal uh, has been uh, designed as a, um, a, a, a specific place for peanut production and the French colonialism. The food consumption pat patterns, especially with the migration from uh, rural landscape to urban landscape, uh, and the medical and hygienic practices with vaccination and um, routine surveillance and uh, uh, campaigns of um, vaccination and, and um, uh, antibiotics also. So we're trying to evaluate the human uh, oral microbiome of human remains, uh, and the idea is to use um, skulls, uh, because the, there is uh, the calculus uh, that is calcified in the skulls, and that can be uh, sequenced uh, to reconstruct through techniques of uh, ancient DNA, uh, um, uh, the, the, the calculus and the oral flora that is still contained in the calculus. So um, I forgot to mention in, in, the, in the first slide, Enric Poinar is a, a member of the team. Uh, he's worked with uh, Svante Pavo in uh, Leipzig at the Max Planck Institute. And he's one of the specialists of ancient DNA. He's worked on the, uh, uh, um, bodies infected with plague in London, uh, from the mid recovered from the Middle Ages, uh, or bodies... Um, uh, he, he found some bacteria in bodies from Greece, uh, from ancient Greece. So he's really specialist in, in making uh, human remains speak. And also since he's um, Canadian, he works in uh, Hamilton, Ontario, he's very trained to work with local populations, uh, indigenous people in, in Canada. And so he was also very interested with, to work with us uh, in France, um, uh, with the colonial past of Africa and the question of uh, how to use uh, all these uh, human remains coming from Africa, which came under uh, um, troubled conditions. Uh, so that's why our role with Tamara Gilfernik, who is a, a, a social uh, cultural anthropologist from, with a U.S. Uh, training, uh, she's worked a lot in Central Africa on narratives of human primate uh, encounters. Hendrik uh, uh, was very keen to uh, work with us uh, uh, for the ethical and, and social aspects uh, uh, of the project. 
And, and so the, the, the dream of the project is to reconstitute a, a history of pre-colonial uh, microbiome and to, to tell a narrative that would involve uh, local populations in um, a, a kind of, uh, of long-term evolution of, of microbes, food, and hygiene. Um, so what we started to do was to inventory uh, human remains in Paris, and we started with the Musée de l'Homme that has uh, hundreds of thousands of, of skulls, uh, uh, and it's, it's most of their collections now is um, skulls and skeletons. Uh, and we also work with uh, the Institut Fondamental d'Afrique Noire, which was created uh, by uh, the, the French uh, colonial regime, and which has now turned to uh, uh, sorry, it was Institut Français d'Afrique Noire, and it has now been turned to Institut Fondamental d'Afrique Noire. So it's, a, it's an institute that gathers uh, fundamental research uh, on archaeology based at Université Cheikh Anta Diop. And the very good welcome we receive from researchers in Senegal probably comes from the influence of uh, Cheikh Anta Diop, who used archaeology to tell uh, narratives of African populations that were um, fostering ideas of African identity. So, so I, I, as, I, as I was not working in Africa before, so I was very reluctant to engage in that field. Uh, and working with Levi Brule was mostly used by uh, colonial officers. Levi Brule actually never went to Senegal or to any parts of Africa, which is interesting. But I knew about the history of these um, uh, colonial uh, collections and this uh, very specific relation between uh, France and West Africa. But starting to work with um, uh, a biologist and archaeologist in uh, Senegal was very easy um, because they, they really were keen to collaborate and also uh, Dakar is in many ways comparable to Hong Kong in terms of connecting uh, scientists from all over the world uh, to think about the identity of the place. Um, and, and, and so um, I, I will move to um, the, the different collections that we use. This is the collection that was um, uh, conserved at the uh, Institut Fondamental d'Afrique Noire in, in Dakar. It's a collection of uh, uh, 14 skulls uh, that were in a, in, in a, in a, in a how do you say, in an armchair? No, what is this kind of um, cabinet? It's a cabinet, yeah. It's a real display. It's not a, it's not a museum reserve. It's, it's, it's actually in the office somewhere without a door. Uh, these skulls were here. And, and they come from Serra country, which is a uh, considered as one of the most traditional areas uh, of uh, Senegal. Uh, it's actually uh, populations that have been removed by the, the wall of uh, uh, migration and in, in the area between uh, Fatik and um, Thies in, in the middle of, uh, of Senegal. Um, and, um, and these uh, uh, collections were uh, taken uh, by a Belgian anthropologist named um, Tilmans, Guy Tilmans, uh, in 1965, so after independence, and uh, he brought that to Dakar, and they've been conserved until then. He died in 2005. He, he lived in Senegal, um, and uh, they're, they're not considered as uh, shameful, uh, but still, uh, we have um, notebooks uh, that he took. He had to go uh, to uh, Serer country, so it's about 150 kilometers from Dakar, with a rifle and to take the uh, the, 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 the skulls at night and and. Uh, uh, the, the specific reason why he took this griot uh, heads was that griot, uh, and I will come back to what griot is as a kind of social class, uh, griot were buried not in the ground but in baobab trees. Uh, so it was very easy for him to, to collect them. 
and, and, and so it's the main focus of our research to return to these power batteries and, and work with the local population to, to uh, tell the narratives of why this creole was buried in baobab trees. Uh, another collection that we want to study is um, two polar skulls uh, collected from the battlefield uh, by Arshina, who was leading the army of Sudan uh, in 1891. Uh, and uh, from a biological perspective, these are very interesting uh, skulls because um, it's um, young men who have been killed on the battlefield uh, and their heads have been uh, taken as uh, trophies. Uh, Arshina was a specialist in, in collecting war bounty. He was also stealing uh, gold and all kinds of objects that are now in the, in the Musée du Quai Branly. But there are 35 of these uh, skulls that are uh, at the Musée de l'Homme. Uh, and they are very sensitive collections. So we, we have identified these collections as biologically interesting, but for the, for the moment, the uh, uh, Musée de l'Homme doesn't want us to, 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 study, to analyze them, to sample them. Um, because there's another, uh, we will come to the question of repatriation, there's a, a, a demand from uh, uh, the Algerian government to repatriate uh, uh, skulls from African soldier, uh, Algerian soldiers killed roughly at the same time. So even if the government of Mali, because this is now a battlefield in Mali, has not uh, asked for the repatriation of these skulls, they are still considered very sensitive. The other collection at the Museum, which is less sensitive, is uh, Dogo skulls that have been collected by Marcel Griol uh, during the famous uh, expedition from uh, Dakar to Djibouti. And he spent a lot of time in the Dogon area of uh, Mali. And he took some uh, skulls from Oshuris. Now, they're biologically less interesting because we don't know the time uh, uh, of death of, of the persons, uh, probably between um, 1600 and 1900. Uh, so it's still part of this pre-colonial uh, history. Uh, but uh, uh, So these two collections would give uh, confirmation of the biological analysis that we have started to do on the Griot uh, uh, collection. So you see the situation. We have three collections identified. We have identified the biological interest, but one is available, ironically, because it's on African soil, and two others are um, uh, less available, uh, and they are on Parisian soil, uh, uh, and they raise uh, political issues that we have to, to tackle. But so our idea is to implement a kind of ethical procedures uh, with the Senegalese population so that we can turn to the government of Mali and uh, obtain uh, agreement to study the skulls that are on, on Parisian uh, soil. Uh, I have to mention also that the, the Dogon skulls uh, raise some... Um, political problems because the, the Dogon population is now in a, in a, a territory under terrorist risk, so it's very difficult to do uh, uh, ethnography in this area now. Uh, so what we did with Henrik uh, Poinard, who is um, uh, on this uh, picture, was to um, um, look uh, at the Dogon skulls and the Tugula skulls, just to see if there was some calculus, and this took us almost a year to uh, identify on the inventory and then uh, have an appointment with the uh, person in charge of, of the collections. Um, and, and, and so among the 30 skulls, we have taken uh, roughly half of them that are of interest uh, in terms of amount of biological information. So you see that they, they, these skulls are uh, cut uh, to remove the, the brain, uh, they have printings, and we were looking at the, at, at the, the teeth. 
Now, these are the samples that have been sent by Ibrahim Matteo, who is the um, uh, archaeologist in Dakar, to every point in Canada. Uh, so it's these 15 skulls from uh, uh, Grillo. <coughs> you see the, the information uh, uh, that they were collected by uh, Guy Tilmaus, uh, and that there's a notebook uh, from 1965. Um, and so th there's enough uh, calculus to do the analysis. <coughs> Uh, so these were sent by, uh, by uh, post um, uh, normal e e mail, mailing, uh, just in a small envelope. Uh, and it, it, was, it, was, it was really because to start the, the, the I mean, the, 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 uh, Ibrahimacho was really keen on starting the project. So um, uh, now if we want to continue, this would go through a lot of procedures. And uh, so Hendrik uh, did 14 calculus DNA uh, extractions. Uh, and, and try to find uh, uh, what was not human DNA. So some of the teeth had a lot of uh, human DNA, um, some uh, had less DNA, and he found some uh, bacteria, fungi, uh, and some cases plant DNA. And uh, in one teeth he, f tooth he found um, uh, uh, pieces of uh, baobab tree stems. Uh, which probably comes from, from the tree. So, uh, of course, all the problem with this sequencing is um, that um, the, the samples have been contaminated by the, by the place where they have been buried and by the place where they have been conserved. So you have to go through all these different layers of history to reach the information because we're looking for a kind of missing bacteria, uh, bacteria that would have been in the uh, uh, oral, uh, oral flora and that, that would have disappeared. So that's, that's the, the summary of the biological findings. I, I could comment, of course, the images. I, I'm, I'm, I, I, go, I used to go to uh, biology courses where I would see the virus entering the cell, and now I go to a lot of microbiome meetings where you have all these wonderful maps of diversity, and of course I can, can comment the details, but they, they're very beautiful as, as an image of, of biological uh, diversity. Now, um, what we do as social anthropologists is uh, to go back to the place where these skulls have been uh, collected and uh, talk with um, the local population on the meaning of these uh, collections for them and uh, of the biological findings we could, we could have. Um, and, and so we, we, we asked people why they stopped burying uh, griot in, in baobab trees. So um, the main reason is um, uh, the parallel arrival of Islam and Christianity, not parallel of course, but uh, uh, I mean Islam was much, much before, but the, the effects of Islamization and Christianization as equalitarian uh, trends, uh, so the demand of Brio not to be buried in Baobab trees, but to be buried in the soil. Uh, there was even an experimentation that was done in a village to bury a griot in uh, the, the ground and see if the ground was polluted, a uh, kind of magical experiment. Um, and uh, um, I, I will come back later so, for, to, to explain the, the reason why uh, the, the burying a griot in the soil was considered as uh, contaminating. Um, uh, and we also we, we look at the change of religious practices um, the conception of uh, baobab trees as sacred trees uh, to which uh, uh, people still uh, do offer uh, libations, uh, changes in uh, food consumption practices with the arrival of uh, peanut uh, uh, agriculture, 
<clears throat> and the access to medical care, uh, there's a new maternity that has just been built, so we will do interviews uh, with uh, uh, women uh, who come to do echography, and uh, we will look at the information they will put on uh, um, the risk of bacteria. So we will work a lot about on their representation of microbes and the, this shift that is now occurring from the, the, the bad microbes to the good microbes in terms of um, uh, uh, medical education. Uh, and, and we look at the conception of uh, um, um, s soil microbes. Um, uh, so there's, there's uh, this course about pangols, which is the spirits, uh, the spirits of trees or the spirits uh, uh, of, of the area. Uh, and um, uh, I will come back to, to snakes uh, uh, later. So th these are the, 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 the questions we want to raise. Uh, can the changes in the environment be related to changes in burial practices? Uh, this is a, a question that we, we cannot uh, ask as a start, but uh, we, we want to reach this question. Can missing microbes be mourned along with the Brio who carried them? And can Brio be conceived as sentinels of environmental changes? So we, we, we want to uh, reach the point when people talk about um, uh, the uh, reduction of the crops, uh, the reduction of the uh, time of the uh, rain period, um, the, the, which is the cold, which is the summertime, um, uh, and and uh, the introduction of pesticides as uh, all environmental changes related to the uh, um, uh, end of uh, burial burial. Uh, so um, the, the 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 end of burial burial was. Uh, explained by uh, uh, religious practices, equalitarian changes, but can it also be corrected to microbial changes in the soil? That's the kind of question we, we want to ask. And, and we, we're working with the maternity uh, very much because they uh, are uh, concerned with um, medical education, but also because they have this baobab tree just at the entrance of, of, the, of the hospital. And uh, actually, was a, there was a very interesting discussion with our um, informant uh, uh, who said, this is the tree where I, I, do where I did libation when I, I was a kid. And, and so it, it's, um, the, the, the medical staff didn't know it, but some uh, of the staff uh, keeping the hospital knew it. So there's a whole discussion in the village uh, around uh, the location, uh, the localization of uh, these um, sacred trees. Uh, and so we want to do also a kind of map of, of the sacred trees uh, and, and of, the, of the access to the tree uh, by the, the local population. Uh, I must also mention that Nyahar is um, a, a kind of hotspot of uh, medical investigation uh, uh, since the 1960s. Uh, it was uh, um, um, monitored uh, for uh, health, uh, agriculture, uh, demography, by Ostom, which was the kind of agronomy institute of, of the French uh, colonial regime, which had now been turned to ELD, uh, Institut Recherche et Développement. So we're fortunate to uh, use all this information that was gathered in the last 40 years and focus on um, this correlation between changes in microbial soil and, and, and changes in uh, relation to baobab trees. Uh, we will work a lot on the, the, the tombs, uh, where the tombs are located. Uh, so there's, a, um, there's Muslim uh, symmetries, Christian uh, symmetries. Um, 
And uh, uh, so I must say that uh, the Serer people are um, uh, ag- um, um, peasants. They, they, they do agriculture. They, um, they, they cultivate the soil as their main activity. Um, and, and, and in the, in the traditional system, uh, m- uh, most of the people are, cultivate the land, and they are kings. And, and then there are um, griots and uh, blacksmiths who are considered as two separate uh, castes. That's the term that is used. Um, it's actually a kind of reorganization of the Serer uh, society by mounding a feudal system. Uh, but um, so the, the blacksmiths and the griots were not buried in the ground because it was only the kings and the peasants. Uh, were buried in the ground uh, and uh, we, we ask a lot of questions of what happens if someone finds uh, bodies in the ground and they say it, we just uh, remove uh, the, the remains and uh, bury them elsewhere if we want to cultivate so, so, so the, 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 um, uh, the creation of, of symmetries as, as specific locations is quite recent and we want also to uh, document this, uh, this change now I come to the local conception of, of griot. Um, uh, so we ask people what are griot and, and how, how do you talk about them. And, uh, so griot is the people who sing. Uh, uh, they also play the drum. Uh, when I arrived in Yaha, there was a, a wonderful um, um, uh, um, um, uh, what's, wrestling. wrestling uh, wrestling uh, festival so there are wrestling festivals wrestling is a major activity uh, uh, in, in Senegal <clears throat> and, and Rio were playing uh, for the wrestling, that's the only uh, uh, interaction I had with Rio and the, the, my next uh, uh, field work will be uh, uh, will lead to uh, interviews with Rio but, so I collected narratives about how people talk about them, so they, they know how to sing and play the drum, they beg constantly because they cannot cultivate the land uh, so they are neither uh, peasants, nor kings, uh, so they have no power and they have no authority. That's very important. They cannot speak for themselves. They can only tell the songs uh, of, the, um, of the dynasty, uh, and and they can, and they can change the dynasty depending on the political fights. And that's why they have the power of speech, uh, and that's why the blacksmiths have the power of uh, matter and uh, uh, the griot have the power of speech, which are two very ambivalent powers if you take the perspective of the king. And that's why the king doesn't want the griot and the blacksmiths to be buried in the ground. Uh, now, there is this idea that um, griot smell. Um, so it's, it's, it, 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 it uh, can appear as a kind of uh, derogatory uh, way of thinking about marginal people. But the idea is that they smell like death because they have this very specific practice of putting their dead in, in a tree and, and coming to see their dead and uh, uh, um, a story that I often collected was that <clears throat> they um, uh, when, when a, a griot is dead all the griots gather uh, and uh, they carry the body to the baobab tree uh, then they have to um, uh, use a stick to open the baobab tree which is very tricky because uh, normally the baobab tree is, o- is open but there is this idea that some baobab trees look, clo- uh, look closed, but in fact they have a griot inside. That's why you never know which, 
which tree is a baobab tree, is a, is a, is a real baobab tree, and which tree is just a normal tree. Uh, so they, they open the, 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 the tree with a stick, and then they fight uh, to know who is going to uh, put the body in the tree. Uh, and the winner of the fight uh, um, enters the hole uh, and has to fight the snakes. So that's why the, the snake is one of the um, uh, embodiment of the pangol, which is the, the, the spirits uh, around. So, so you have to fight with the, the snake, and then you have to remove the uh, remains of a previous uh, griot or buried there. Uh, and then you put the body uh, standing. It's very important that it's standing, and then it collapses slowly. Right, so that's why it smells like this, because there's a, there's a relation to this that is very specific in this fight for putting the griot in, 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 the, in the tree. So that's why it's a festival. And uh, some people I, I interviewed um, had seen this kind of festivals, but it's a festival specifically for, for griot. Uh, the idea is that they learn quickly because they have the power of speech. Uh, a lot of the civil servants of um, French colonization were griots. Uh, today it's considered that uh, um, pop singers uh, are real or journalists are real. Uh, and they were interestingly named Jews by the first European observers, probably because they have this uh, power of, of speech. And so the, the last point of this slide is griotons should no, no, not be visited. Uh, that's the common uh, idea. And yet, they are sites of education for the young. Uh, so the young are told not to go there, but as Marcel Mauss said, taboos are made to be transgressed. So of course, if you say to uh, a child not to go to a, a tree because there's, a, there's danger, uh, of course they will go there and they will find uh, snakes and, and skulls. And I got interesting narratives of... Um, children went to these baobab trees to learn anatomy with their uh, uh, teachers. Uh, not a French teacher, but a, a Senegalese teacher. So, so it's a very ambivalent place where um, it's uh, reserved to a specific uh, group of the population, but it's also a place of education uh, for, for the young, uh, education of what, what to see and what not to, to, to see. And, and so that's, that's why I, I focused on this um, conception of Rio, and I want to document that with interviews with them, uh, because I use this notion of sentinel that I uh, previously used uh, in my work on, on bird flu. Uh, the sentinel is, um, is a living being that sends warning signals uh, of environmental changes. And so it's a very ambivalent being because it's both part of the collective, uh, it uh, uh, warns about um, threats that are coming from the uh, from the future or from around, and at the same time, it's it's uh, uh, in outside. Uh, it's it's linked to the to the enemy, um, and um, and and here is the, the enemy is more speech. Uh, so you can I, I won't go too much into that, but of course I'm reading a lot of the um, uh, there's a lot of structuralist uh, uh, analysis of Rio that have been made by Marguerite Dupier, who is a, a researcher of the of our lab in Paris. And, and, and so the griot as a kind of semiotic uh, uh, operator, uh, and there's this idea that he, he eats a lot because he, he, he gets money only by speaking, so he can eat more than the peasant who eats only uh, what, what he needs. So there's this idea, and if, if we think, of, of course, that we're going to um, study the, uh, the, the microbial uh, flora, the oral microbial flora of the griot, that makes it very uh, exciting. So I, I moved to um, 
a more theoretical uh, discussion. Uh, so I, I wanted to start from the very basic uh, uh, biological assumptions of the project that I'm not really able to, to discuss at length. Uh, but I, I want to move to how I, 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 my contribution to the project would uh, conceptualize the results. So human remains, and particularly from Africa, uh, are very involved in the debate on repatriation um, uh, that has started with um, the repatriation of the body of uh, Sarah Bartman, uh, the, who was called the Venus Autantot because she was um, a South African woman brought uh, by a circus uh, to uh, London and then Paris, uh, and it was exhibited by Cuvier for her uh, anatomical uh, peculiarities and uh, whose body uh, was on display at the Musée de l'Homme for almost uh, 150 years until it was uh, uh, stuck uh, uh, sh shamefully in the, in the reserve. Uh, but after that there was a series of other repatriation recently. It was the head of a Kanak uh, leader Atai um, that was uh, repatriated by the Musée de l'Homme. And the Musée de Cabranly <coughs> was concerned by um, repatriation of uh, Maori heads uh, that were tattooed. That's why, that's why they were at the, at the Cabranly and not at the Musée de l'Homme. And um, the, the, the way the Cabranly answered this demand, uh, which was first uh, uh, um, addressed to a, a local museum in Rouen, uh, and that's why it triggered a, a massive debate all over the country because we could not repatriate one uh, Maori head in Rouen if, all, if, not, if we did not repatriate all the, the Maori heads in the national heritage. So there's a question of, of law. It, it went through a, a, a national um, committee uh, of, the, uh, of the National Assembly, uh, an examination committee of the National Assembly. And uh, the, there was a ceremony with the Te Papa Museum who was considered as a, spoke, a representative of uh, the Maori government uh, uh, to receive uh, this uh, Maori, it's about uh, 15 uh, heads that were repatriated. But there were also biological uh, uh, analyses that have been made on these um, uh, heads, and uh, they revealed that among these 15 heads, uh, half of them were not Maori chiefs uh, who were um, um, tattooing themselves, but uh, half of them were women. Uh, Maori women, and uh, I mean, three of them were Maori uh, women, and four of them were actually white uh, men that had been uh, uh, tattooed after their death. Uh, so uh, it, it uh, revealed, we, that it was known by researchers, but it, it, it uh, confirmed that a lot of these Maori heads were actually made uh, for uh, trade uh, and um, for curiosity cabinets and, and later museums. But so the, 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 the way this uh, repatriation demand was addressed was, was to organize uh, a kind of ceremony with the representatives of the, of the government and of the local communities and to do biological uh, analysis uh, that was shared by, uh, with, with, the, uh, with the Te Papa Museum, actually. Uh, and so we think of uh, uh, using this kind of technique to uh, uh, deal with uh, other repatriation demands uh, that are addressed for uh, human remains. Uh, now there's an, another demand of repatriation that is uh, addressed by the Benin government for the uh, uh, war bounty of the uh, treasure of Abome, which was the a kingdom in Benin, uh, not Benin City, uh, which was a war bounty on the English side, but uh, Abome, 
and, and this is a, a demand uh, under examination. There will, there's a, a museum that will open in, in Benin uh, in, in a few years where this um, uh, works will probably be sent uh, after the declaration of the President of the French Republic that a part of the African heritage uh, should be um, uh, permanently or uh, temporarily returned uh, to the African continent. And we can come back to this uh, political context uh, later. Uh, so the, the idea that I have uh, is to include, to bring human remains back in the deba debate on repatriation and avoid this kind of divide between nature and culture. Uh, that there's not cultural heritage on one side uh, and, and, and human remains on the other side because all these um, practices of warbunti actually cross uh, these different boundaries and local populations themselves are attached to uh, these uh, um, objects, uh, we can call them objects, um, uh, with similar fashions. And so that's why another part of the project that uh, I, uh, I want to work around uh, with is um, microbiome in bird remains. Uh, and so this connects some initiatives that have been taken in different uh, museums. Um, uh, the Smithsonian uh, Institution works on uh, Hawaiian uh, bird mantle uh, that could be considered as uh, documented, documenting um, uh, avian parasites or avian uh, microbes before the arrival of uh, the Westerners. Uh, that the, so the, the diversity of birds has reduced uh, drastically um, with the arrival of, uh, of, of um, Europeans. Uh, so, so there is the idea of uh, reconstituting the diversity of the microbiome uh, or, or the, of the ecosystem uh, of microbes. Um, uh, for example, avian malaria was uh, abundant before the arrival of uh, the Westerners. Uh, I like to show this asmat uh, skull from uh, Papua New Guinea because it's a, an interesting mix of human remains and bird remains. So it would be interesting to see uh, what are the uh, species boundaries that are crossed by microbes in these uh, artifacts. And uh, this is a, um, uh, a, a nut. Uh, this is an object that is used by Wayana from French Guiana. Uh, who have come to the Cabrini to document the use of uh, this object uh, and, and tell stories about the, the wasps that are used uh, in ritual uh, context uh, to produce um, uh, hallucinations and suffering. Uh, so, so the, and, and, and there's bird feathers uh, around this uh, object. So the, the, we could extend uh, the uh, analysis of human remains to look at bird remains, uh, and um, keeping in mind that for some groups, uh, for example in South America, the relation with bird remains can be uh, analogous to the relation to human remains. For example, the Tupinamba address to the Museum of Copenhagen uh, demand of repatriation of a, of a, of a cape, of a, of a feather cape uh, that was exhibited in, in Brazil, uh, I think 2005 or something. Um, so the, the idea is to um, d displace the focus on, on human remains as kind of sacred entities and look at the different uses of um, organic material uh, in, 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 the, in the objects in museums. Now, uh, I, I, 
See, I, I suggest this relation between human remains and bird remains because of my previous word on, on bird flu and the, 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 the microbes that, that uh, shift or mutate from birds to humans. And I, I use um, a, a model uh, that uh, I built uh, um, for my bird flu uh, analysis, uh, which is a kind of um, framework to analyze uh, scientific controversies. Uh, so um, uh, I suggest to take uh, the demand of repatriation as a kind of, of um, uh, public event uh, that uh, collapses or uh, two representations of, of the same thing, uh, which is uh, uh, on one side an artifact as a living being with uh, um, organic materials, and an artifact as a commodity that can be circulated um, freely uh, and, and almost without, uh, without risk. Uh, and I, I ask the question of how uh, bacteria or parasites or all kinds of microbes uh, can be used to uh, make speak the artifact as a living being and to reintroduce the, the spirits of, of the objects in the commodity. Uh, and so what appears as a kind of contradiction or as a kind of... Um, um, impossible representation uh, uh, is actually uh, dealt with by microbiologists as a chain of circulation of, of microbes uh, around uh, uh, groups of actors who are uh, kind of uh, divided between the two, these two representations. Uh, so some are uh, closer to the, to the actual making of the object, uh, who are the craftsmen or the shamans or the kings, uh, who, who are the first stages of, of the life of the object. And I take the life of the object in a very material uh, sense. And then on the other side, uh, all the um, uh, um, uh, actors of the public debate, uh, like the media or indigenous people associations, will, will uh, use this um, commodity as a, as, as a way to talk about um, colonial debt uh, or um, uh, the, uh, the effects of slavery. Uh, and, and the, the work they do with different uh, authorities in charge of culture, foreign affairs, or even research, uh, who, who raise the question of what to do with these uh, uh, biological materials. And so the microbiologists are in some kind in the middle um, uh, and, and use the microbes as, um, as, as, um, as signs to, to, trust, to track the, the chain of circulation of the objects. And that's very similar to the uh, model that uh, I had built for uh, avian flu crisis where you have a media association for the protection of animals who say a bird with flu um, is a commodity that asks for revenge uh, or that turns into a cause all this discourse uh, that um, with emerging infectious disease nature strikes back uh, uh, industrial uh, animals raised for industrial food revenge against uh, their bad treatment uh, the, all the agricultural authorities and health authorities who have to deal with this debate about the risk of uh, eating food uh, the doctors, the nurses pharmaceutical industry who, who, who deal with the, the more ordinary uh, questions of um, uh, food safety uh, um, um, health risks uh, and on the other side, all the people who work with the animals themselves, so veterinarians, bird watchers, retailers, breeders, food industry, who are closer to the animals and, and, have, and daily manage the risk of living with, with animals. 
uh, in all my previous work about virtual was to meet all these different actors. And so in, in I um, suggest myself to follow the same chain. So I start with the uh, uh, with, with the people who are uh, very close to the human remains and their local practices of burying and unburying, uh, and, and I will go to the authorities who have to deal with uh, demands of repatriation. And just to give you um, an idea of why I can make this comparison, most of my work uh, was with um, uh, virologists who describe themselves as virus hunters who track the mutations of uh, flu viruses uh, as they follow birds in markets and natural reserves uh, and they, uh, they, they put their sequences on databases that can be shared globally but yet they need to be close to the uh, uh, poultry market where the, these viruses emerge so I, I was following these lines of mutations uh, uh, of viruses uh, <coughs> with them and trying to anticipate the next uh, pandemic uh, virus and I, I focused among all the controversial practices uh, that are um, epitomized as uh, bringing uh, food safety uh, risk, uh, I focused on this practice of uh, releasing birds uh, by Buddhists um, uh, because these birds are released for spiritual merit uh, uh, and the, the, the opening of the wing of the bird is considered as a sign uh, of uh, felicity. Uh, in the context of industrial food production, but yet uh, uh, birds released uh, by Buddhists uh, carry risk of uh, influenza. Uh, so how do you deal with this uh, contradictory uh, representation of a, a bird with uh, signs of felicity, spiritual uh, merit, and bird with risk of uh, infestation? And, uh, and so in, in what I found with the Buddhist releasing birds is in my mind equivalent to what I find with uh, uh, um, Syria people um, burying Rio in baobab trees as specific practices of burying, but also um, uh, sites of education uh, for, for the young. So that's my conclusion. Um, uh, so I suggest to consider microbes as semiotic operators for relations between humans and non-humans. Uh, and I, I anal analyze um, political crises such as demands of repatriation or outbreak of um, uh, uh, animal diseases uh, as moments when these two representations are opposed. Um, so I consider microbes as a way to, first to, to rebuild continuity when there is a, a major discontinuity in the public debate. Uh, and I call sentinel sites where microbial effects can be observed in their ambivalence, so comparing Griot buried in baobabs and birds re released in natural reserves. And so I want to follow these uh, uh, sentinel sites in their traditional meanings, uh, their colonial histories and their global significance. And so that's why, as an anthropologist, uh, I consider uh, uh, my responsibility to, to give access, uh, to give biologists access to cultural museums and natural reserves because it helps to foster these sentinel sites also as sites of public debate, because often the public debate turns to big, um, um, scandalous uh, uh, sites, such as the, the places where you, re you, you repatriate uh, the, the human remains or you, you, you kill the infectious uh, animals, but often these sentinel sites where there's more uh, daily practices of care um, and monitoring uh, and where, where um, non-humans are made to speak uh, are often... Uh, um, hidden or not covered. 
and I, 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 I think that the, the task of social sciences is also uh, to make visible these more ordinary practices that are uh, often hidden in, in big political uh, debates. Thank you for your attention. Thank you.